like, all right, you know, that really was horrible, you know, applause. But I'm Fred McMurray. It's Thursday, 2 p.m. Pacific, which means this must be. I guess not. <laughs> we'll try it this way. This must be. All right, folks, now that we've gotten done with the wonderful, how'd you like, folks, uh, if you get a chance, drop a line. How do you like the new scrolling graphics across the sunset? I like them. So tell us what you think. So I'm Fred McMurray. I'm with my co-host Ray Pillar and Carolyn Thurston. This is Pillars of Franchising. Ray, Carolyn, you know the drill. How are you? And where are you? And what's the weather like? Well, Fred, I'm sitting at home in Aurora, Illinois. Uh, the weather is right now. The temperature is 50 degrees. And we are expecting about three inches of snow tonight. Uh, so we'll have a nice blanket of uh, white underground and I expect that to be gone and it, it was interesting to watch that we had snow last night as well and it was interesting to uh, wake up and see everything white and then within a few minutes after the sun came up everything turned green again it was quite a contrast it was beautiful well Yes, I'm Carolyn Thurston, and I'm in North Carolina in my home. It's beautiful, sunny outside. It's around 50, 55 degrees. Thank God, no snow. And I think tomorrow we're looking at it being even warmer. So we're just thankful for the sunshine. And, of course, the ray weather has cleared from Shell Beach. It's now pretty much the way that looks in my background. Uh this is not, it's getting warm, low 70s, mid 70s. Yeah, not Ray weather, California <laughs> weather. So, Ray, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you got the snow and I don't, my friend. I'm glad you got the snow and I, I don't. My granddaughter kind of likes it, but she's only two and a half. So, who's our guest today? Our guest today is Nate Reardon, and he is the founder of West Coast Franchise Law. Welcome to the show, Nate. Great hat. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And uh, I, I did, I brought my own hat. I always wanted to have my own hat, you know, for my own business. So uh, I went out and had this design and I got, I ended up with 50 of them. So this is my, this is my $500 hat. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only one that has it. <laughs> well, I, I give them away now and then. So let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? This is a hat. This is what you should have gotten. Could you see walking into a court of law in one of these? I think I'd be asked to take it off. Yeah. In fact, I might even be told to take it off. Yes. So, actually, I want a hat. That would be cool. Everyone sends me books. I want a hat. Um, so tell us how you founded West Coast. I mean, obviously, West Coast, or maybe not, West Coast Franchise Law, I'm going to assume deals with franchising. We do. Or did just really you really want to screw with people's heads? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we probably go uh, the opposite direction. No, we, um, uh, you know, the firm had um, my partners and my last name, and uh, we do a couple of different things, and we added West Coast Franchise Law so that it was clear what we do, and our names are unspellable and unpronounceable <laughs> if you look at them. So it's, it's like, what? Why are we doing this? You, you cannot spell or pronounce either one of our last names. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, so, um, West Coast Franchise Law, uh, you know, we, we do um, work with franchisees all over the country, but uh, we are on the West Coast and we kind of like to communicate that vibe. We think, we think we're uh, we're collaborative uh, West Coast people. Uh, you know, if you're looking for table pounders, that's not us. So, uh, that's, that's a little bit behind the name. Um, and, uh, I don't know, people have taken to it. We've got our own little separate URL and marketing for that. Uh, we also do um, bankruptcy and insolvency work, which kind of brings us to our, our talk today, because um, I, I came to franchising through, um, through insolvency. I don't, I don't know um, how, how long everyone's memory is, but back when Burger King made everybody do the blue roof, 
and uh, nobody had their Coke money. And I, that's, a, that's a little specific, I understand, but this was back in uh, mid-2000s or early 2000s. I got hired by a firm to do a lot of workouts and restructuring for Burger King franchisees. And then we did Taco Bell, and then we just did Yum! Brands generally. And then some of those folks, after it worked out, they just kind of hung around and they were our clients. And, and so we've been doing franchise work and restructuring ever since. And now we're standing at this moment where it's not really clear. Are people going to need to restructure? Are people going to charge ahead and expand their businesses? Are they going to shutter things? It's, it's a crossroads. And uh, we, we are, um, our experience puts us, um, well, with some, with some thoughts and some um, context to bring to that conversation. Carolyn, why don't you jump in? <laughs> well, thank you, um, Nate. Um, it kind of gives us a good perspective of how you got into the franchising system. Um, when I was looking over some of your PowerPoints, one question that I do have um, is I understand how important for a business owner mindset is. Could you elaborate a little for us on even now where all of us are finding ourselves? What advice would you give us for your hands? <laughs> Huh? We're all wringing our hands over there. Right. You know, how's, the, how's the business gonna do? Yeah. You know, I um, I I love talking about mindset, which is a little weird. You know, when you come to a lawyer's office and you start talking about mindset, and like, what, what? Please tell me I'm not paying for this. <laughs> but the truth sure. is that um, no matter what we're working on, um, whether it's a transactional, you know, we're just we're buying, you know, 80 units or we're doing a lease. Uh, but really, in, in, uh, more than more than any other context, if you are working on a restructure of your business, if you are having to ask hard questions and, and ask for you know more time on your lease to make payments, or you got to talk to your lender about I got to go interest only, or I've got to um, I, I got to make no payments at all because I'm just closed, I'm just flat and closed. Uh, you got to talk to your franchisor. Having the right mindset is what's going to get you through that. If you are, and, and I, I know it sounds corny, but I swear, to, I swear I've been doing this for 20 years, mm -hmm. and I can tell when they come into my office and sit down, or now I can tell when I get on the Zoom call with them because we're you know, physically distancing. Um, if you've got the right mindset, if you're going to take on things as they come, and you're going to try to adapt, and you're going to try to succeed and overcome, and you're going to have a plan, and you're, you're ready to change that plan when you need to, because we're all changing the plan. Like I, the, the plan is changing like this morning. Oh, there's no more PPP money. I guess we got to wait for Congress. You got to change the plan. And if you can have that mindset, you can succeed. You can get through it. You, you have to accept that things are going to change. And it is easier to coach than play. It's, it's easy for me to sit in my office and say, Hey, have a great mindset. And I can sit here and espouse different ideas about how you would get a great mindset, but um, you, you got to find that. You've got to find a way to get through this and have a positive outlook. And if you do, I, I've been watching people do this for 20 years. I swear it's going to be fine. On some level, you're going to end up and it's where you're going to end up and it's going to be fine. Nothing is ever as bad or as good as it seems at the outset, ever, ever. Yeah. So, that's, that's so true. Um, one of, the, one of the things I like about your presentation, and uh, I don't know, Fred, are you going to put a link to that? I can, yes, Ray, I can update it, upload it, and make sure everyone can see it. But I didn't want to do it ahead of time because then they wouldn't need yeah, to watch right, the show. Right, right. But, you know, going through, it, right from the very beginning, you mentioned mindset, and then you go into, we've been here before, and you list, uh, oh, I don't know how many are here, 12, 13? 14, uh, things that have happened from the Great Depression in 1929 to the Great Recession, which we just came out of. And uh, I, you know, of course, I haven't been through it. <laughs> but no, you were through the Great Depression. I have not been through the Great Depression. <laughs> I may look like it. But, uh, when uh, the, not the uh, Great Recession hit, yeah, that was devastating to a lot of people. But, you know, I, I, I felt that I came through it 
relatively unscathed because we only lost about 10% of our business. And I know a lot of uh, people who are in business, you know, that they put many hundreds of thousands of dollars into themselves and then ended up with nothing. So uh, here again, we go to, to uh, one of the things that is helpful to a business is, first of all, have faith. You know, it, faith helps. Uh, if, you, if you know and, and, and put trust in, in God that things will be better, it happens. But also, you need to have some reserve. And that reserves comes in handy for times like this. And it's, it's, it's carrying me through right now. Uh, and I know that at the other end of this, th things will not be the same. They'll probably be a little bit better because people will be more cautious uh, now. So it, it's great that you, you, you start your presentation with the mindset, which I think is extremely important. Because if you don't have that, is there a question in there? No, not yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a long diatribe. But <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure. I wasn't catching the question, but that's I, okay. I, I do want uh, Nate to comment on that, though, uh, even if, if it's a little bit more than shaking your head, because I, I think it's extremely important. If all the things that happen to us, and they, and they will happen, Someone said it, you know, all right, I'm going to say the word shit happens. And this is, this is part of it, <laughs> you know, you know, um, I, a couple, couple of points that I like to make when talking about mindset and talking about what you can do with your mind. I mean, in, in a couple of examples, you know, coming out of, of 2008, 2009, um, I don't know if you remember, you know, there was that moment where everybody's housing value just crashed and <laughs> every house was underwater. Yeah. And I, Every real estate agent I knew thought, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to drive a truck. Mm -hmm. And then within even weeks, we started seeing real estate agents figure out a way to get involved in short sell houses. It mm -hmm. wasn't easy. They had to make it up. And I'll tell you what, if I'm working with a real estate agent, I want to know what year did you start being a real estate agent? Was yeah. it before or after 2008? <laughs> before. Yeah. I know that you are tough and you made it through mm -hmm. and there's nothing you can't do. So it, it, the point is it only took a matter of weeks before hardworking real estate agents were already figuring out a way to get the same thing done a different way. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 the example I use in the presentation I gave is um, of, of kind of what we can do with our mind is, is toilet paper. Mm -hmm. There's not actually a shortage of toilet paper. And yet, we decided with our minds that there would be. We all read that there would be a shortage of toilet paper. And guess what I can't buy when I go to the grocery store? It's not on the shelf. We created a shortage with our minds. Yeah. The toilet paper people are actually putting ads out on TV. Don't worry. There's plenty to go around. And yes, when I go to the store, people are frantically grabbing the toilet paper. That's somehow the issue. So what, what can't we accomplish with our minds? If we can do that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And also for every fit, you know, if you don't come out of something like this better, then you haven't learned a lesson, you know, because obviously now I think a lot of people are going to be saying to themselves, I just need to put a little bit more in reserve to get past these times. And, and when you think about how short this is, as compared to, uh, you know, 2000, 2009, 2007, 2009, this is, you know, this just started, Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, five weeks ago, six weeks ago, and it's probably going to be ending in another couple more weeks, hopefully. Well, not completely, but you know what I mean. We'll see. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll see what that looks like going back, but yeah, it, it, um, it, it could be shorter. It could yeah. be a lot shorter. Yeah. So let's talk about what should we be saying to uh, employees? What should we be doing about taxes? Uh, you know, with respect to your employees, 
And, you know, and the point I make with, with, um, with anybody I'm talking to, and, and the, you know, the webinar you folks are referring to was basically, we, we basically took the consult we're doing with people that are coming in and just turned it into a webinar. And so the, the thing that I tell clients and the thing that I tell anybody is, you know, with respect to all of your constituencies, all of your, all of your stakeholders, communication is the key. And that, that's really tricky to do. It, it's, it's hard to, you know, send an email to all your employees saying, I don't know when I can bring you back. It's hard to send an email saying, I've applied for the PPP funding. It has not been um, approved yet, or it appears they've run out of money and Congress hasn't reallocated. I mean, so what you should be saying to your employees is the truth, the authentic truth. I mean, work with a professional to talk about, you know, what, you know, are there any pitfalls? But right now, there are not glaring pitfalls. Just tell them what's going on. You know, we're closed and we don't know when we're going to reopen. And I know that that sucks. And it sucks for me and it sucks for you. And I can't pay you and I don't know when I can again. And here's the information I've learned about your unemployment options in our jurisdiction because it varies. And here's what I know about the PPP loan. And here's what my advisors are telling me to do once I get it. And here's how we're going to do that in conjunction with um, the unemployment that you're already on. And just talk to them. With yeah. respect to your taxes, uh, we tell people, you know, obviously pay them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're looking at coming up short on your payroll taxes, talk to your accountant or an attorney about how to allocate to the employee side of your 941s. I know that's a little arcane, but the employer side goes away if your business goes away. Mm-hmm. And the employee side, you're on the hook for forever. Mm-hmm. So uh, you want to make the payment if you can. If you cannot make the payment, file the return anyway. Mm-hmm. File the return anyway, because if you don't file the return and you drift off, they're going to file the return for you at some point. And you do not want that because they file it at the highest of your average, you know, whatever the look back is. And you, you want them to be going off the real numbers. So um, in terms of talking to your tax man, file, file the returns, even if you can't pay. And, and transparency. Yeah, I think transparency with your employees uh, helps. Uh, it was uh, because because of my age, I don't spend too much time at work. I I try to uh, stay, you know. Semi retired. Yeah, uh, I'm semi retired. So, but uh, when I do go in, it, I I make sure, and I've always done this, not just because of the the virus, but I've always done it as I I greet everyone who comes in the door. And right now it's it's not face to face. It's more like six feet apart, but still we give the virtual hugs and the you know the the signs of the heart and and, and you know it, it's a warm feeling uh, because we we ask our employees we volunteer ask them to volunteer to stay on if they, you know if they wanted to and better than three quarters probably eighty percent have have decided to work even though. Uh, some of our clients are are asking not to be clean. At the same time, some of our clients are actually paying and not wanting to be clean because they want to make sure our employees get paid. So that's that's one of the nice things that's happening right now. And on that note, we will uh, take a commercial break. Want to thank uh, Feedspot for ranking us in their top twenty. Uh, franchise podcast you must follow and remember it's you must follow in 2020 and we want to thank them for listening to us and we really want to thank them for in fact um listing us as number one out of 20 we beat that, beat out some really big competition there so rock on to my co-host and now a word from a sponsor hey franchise owners how is your local marketing Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. 
with daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence. We'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westbine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westbine with a Y.com. Thanks, Michelle. And The Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Women will give you the news that is relevant to you to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women, we are the Franchise Women. Join us today at www.thefranchisewoman.com. Thanks to Michelle and Elizabeth. Uh, they're really rocking pillars of franchising. Now I want to give a shout out to Link Local Network for broadcasting our show and remind people that you can call in at 323-580. That's 5755. Sorry, that's 323-580-5755. You can call in and if you can get past our technical producer, She'll put you on the air, but be nice to her. She's a nice person. And now back to the show. So, Carolyn, Ray finished off talking. I'm not sure if he ever had a question there, but we got away from him. So it's your turn to pull us back into asking questions. Yes, I have another question for you, Nate. It deals with um, communicating, and due to the fact that you deal um, with franchisees, and um, of all different types of brands, I'm sure. Um, with this period of time, what would you say to new franchisees who prior to the COVID-19 occurring, they had just um, maybe got involved, just signed their franchise agreement, and now this is happening. Is there any um, different advice that you would give someone who's entered into a franchise agreement versus someone who maybe was just starting up a small business? You know, if you, if you just entered into a franchise agreement, you know, let, let's assume uh, that you are, um, uh, you know, it kind of breaks down into two things. You know, are you retailing? Do you have a solid location that you need to open? Uh, the, the great news is, you know, for the last two or three years, the challenge with opening a retail location has been, you know, twofold. Where am I going to put it? How am I going to find real estate? The competition for real estate has been really, really intense. And getting a good spot has been really hard. And I'm here to tell you, I suspect that's going to get a lot easier. So that's great news. Uh, the second piece of great news is employees. Uh, we've all, um, all my clients, you know, what, Hey, what, what's on your mind? What are you thinking about? They're like, Oh, I, I just find an employee. It's rough. Again, I suspect that there's going to be a lot of really good people on the market and you're going to be able to staff that, that new location with some great folks. Now, in terms of what's going on, you know, we, you've got some real hurdles that just, you know, we you can't mindset away around the fact that you can't hire a construction company to come to your, new build out and, you know, work on it. You know, that, that might be in your jurisdiction, that might be off limits. Or you might, you might not be able to go view properties because you can't go inside or you can't go around with an agent and go look at it. Again, it's about communication. You need more time because you just can't do it. So you got to talk to your franchisor and say, look, my development schedule, I, I got, you know, three months or four months or 30 days to sign a lease under my franchise agreement. And, you know, that's, that's probably not going to happen. So I'm, I'm going to need more time. And, you know, this, the nice thing about this is it's, it's universal. Everybody knows 
it's not like I'm talking to an insurance agent in Nebraska trying to explain what it's like to live through a hurricane in Florida. So your franchisor should give you more time to open, more time to build, more time to get approved. And you're going to want to get that written down just because as long as we're all friends, getting things written down shouldn't be a problem. And also, we might not be dealing with the same people at the franchisor when we come back. Yeah. Come back and say, well, Fred said I could have another 60 days. Mm-hmm. And Ray says, you know, I don't even know who, I don't know who, who Fred even is. I mean, I guess this is his desk because I can see the pictures of these strange children on here, but I, mean, I don't know anything about any 60 days. I don't know anything about Fred. So uh, and you're in default and, um, and that's a problem. So even if you can't get it in writing, if you can't get it signed, send an email saying, hey, we talked. We talked at three o'clock today. I told you I, these were my issues. You agreed that I could have another 60 days and we would use our best efforts to try to write something up. But if we don't, um, let's take this email as confirmation. Please email me back if you disagree. And then really work hard to get them to email back saying, yeah, yeah, confirm. Honestly, at this point, given all that's going on, if you had to take that email to court and show it to a judge, you're, you're going to win. That's going to be fine. So um, get, get it somehow. Get it somehow. That, that is one of the nice things about dealing in this day and age is that uh, you usually have an email. And uh, it's, it's not a contract, but it's definitely easier. But I do want to elaborate a little bit on what we were talking about as far as asking for uh, vendors for relief. Personally, I found it a little easier than I thought it would be because, like you say, this is a global problem. Oh, yeah. And uh, people, although it's only been a couple of weeks, they seem to have gotten together and different companies that, that I, like I deal with. Uh, uh, my, my car leasing company, as an example, and has come down uh, with a plan. I said, what can you do for me? You know, it's difficult to make that phone call. And, but they came down with a plan. You know, they said, okay, this is, this is what uh, corporate has come up with. Uh, you know, what do you think? And I thought it was great. And, and I, I think if you could elaborate on the legalities on that a little bit more than what I have, uh, that, that would be great because you, you got your, your uh, office space and your cars and, what, and equipment uh, loans and stuff like that. So what do we need to be careful of? when we're asking for some relief during this time. You know, Ray, you're, you're absolutely right. I, um, I have found that landlords and vendors are, and even franchisors, which has been a pleasant surprise, mm-hmm. are a lot more, you know, they're getting together and they're getting a lot more proactive. Yeah. And I, I really, I really appreciate that about the shared experience we're having here. People are, people are focused more on, uh, you know, togetherness. And so, um, when you are, everyone's moving very quickly, mm-hmm. and when you are getting the right to do things, you want to have it documented so that your rights are enforceable. Now, what we're seeing a lot of is you, you go out to a landlord and you say, hey, I need um, either abatement, which means I'm not going to pay on some level, or mm-hmm. I need deferral which means I'll pay later. And when people say, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you defer it because I don't really know how long this is gonna last and you know, maybe you're in fast food and you still gotta drive through business and they think you could do something or you know, what have you. What I don't want for my clients who are on the tenant side is to come back from this and we reopen and you're dealing with someone who's on the other side saying, okay, now that I've let you not pay, Let's talk about the late fees. Let's talk about the default interest. If you're a lender, let's talk about it. I want you to get in writing that all of that is waived so that we don't have an interesting conversation. And when it comes time to figure out how you're going to pay this back, you know, in terms of negotiation, I don't want them to hold a bunch of cards. I don't want them to have things to give up. Like, well, first of all, I'm willing to give up the default interest and I'm willing to give up the late fees, but only if you did it. I don't want them to have those cards to play. I want to just start level and say, okay, we already agreed that those things don't apply. And all we're talking about now is 
I owe you $10,000 and I don't have $10,000. I don't owe you $10,000 plus default interest and late fees. And I got to ask you to give up those things. Mm-hmm. Oh, everybody's in agreement and everybody's very reasonable. So for the most part, you know, nothing is, nothing is um, without exception. So I, I want you to get the little things waived. It, just waive the fact that your non-payment is a default itself. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It, it, everyone's going so fast; it's easy to look past the fact that everything is a default under everything else. So if it's a default under your lease, it's that that is a default under your loan, which is also a default under your franchise agreement. So mm-hmm. I just want everybody to say, "I agree that you can't pay. I agree that I won't charge you late fees." If we don't agree the timetable for repayment, I agree that we will, but you know perhaps not sooner than 90 days after some date you know, out in the future, so that we're not compressed. And I want you to agree that um, I don't know your late fees and default interest and all the other little things, so that we don't we just have an easy, simple conversation when this is over. Yeah, that's the that's the best way. So. They don't have any arrows in their quiver that they can shoot back at you. Carolyn? You know, in your um, PowerPoint, I like how you describe striving at the end of all of this versus the person. You're you're doing an analogy between two different type business owners, and I believe it's their mindset. Can you give the audience just a, a illustration of um, who you see, what type of person or business owner you see surviving this? Right. You know, we we um we talked about this a little bit before. In that, you know, we've been here before. You know, and this this seems the the facts are unique. And the facts are like nothing else, right? Mm-hmm. But the situation, economic distress is not new. And so if what you can do is have confidence that on some level this is coming back, people are going to get their hair cut, people are going to get their houses cleaned, people are going to get their, um, they're going to go out to restaurants. And the business owner who prepares for that mm-hmm. and, and minds the little details, has the hard conversations with the landlords, doesn't stick their head in the sand, talks to their employees, holds their network with their stakeholders together through whatever this is. And, and one of, you know, we make some points in, the, uh, in that presentation where we say, look, um, you know, make a plan and make, make projections, you know, work, your, work your business projections, but understand and, and just know and have the, the confidence that your, your plan and your projection is wrong because we don't know. That's okay. So the kind of business owner who's going to make it through this is the kind of person who's willing to make a plan and willing to acknowledge that the plan is wrong and willing to acknowledge that the plan is your best guess. Communicating that plan to people and when it changes, re-communicating that, it's a lot of work and it's going to be a lot of work. But if you can get through this, it kind of goes back to what we said earlier, which is the customers are going to come back People are going to go back out to the burger restaurants and they're going to be happy to be there. You're going to have maybe some new locations you can open. If you can just be there, you're going to have some new employees to hire. And um, I don't know about your family, but I think we're ready to eat out just about every night of the week for at least when it comes back. That's right. You're absolutely right. Can I ask you to just elaborate a little bit when you say mind the details? What's the what's specific? Because I think a lot of times people um, get so busy on other things. What do you describe as the details? You know, the details are boring. It's, it's, it's yeah. calling up the landlord and saying, hey, I know the rent's 2500 bucks. You know, I, I can't pay you 2500 I can't pay you anything. Well, can you pay something? Well, okay, I, you know, let me see what I can do. You know, okay, how about I, how about I give you 500 bucks today and... I'll call you back if I get the PPP loan. Is that fine? And the landlord says, that's fine. And what I mean by minding the details is, now you write down in your calendar that like, you're going to call back in two weeks. Hey, just so you know, I don't have my PPP money yet. So can we do the 500 bucks again? And I'll call you again when I get the money, if I get it. And then, you know, so now you're minding the details of, of tracking the landlord's response, tracking your communication, following up, 
and that exists across all of your um, all of your people. You know, talking to your key employees. Hey, what are you doing? You know, I'm, I you know, how's the unemployment? How's it going? You know, you, you're important here. I want you to come back, and uh, we're going to try to reopen as quickly as possible. Don't know when it's going to be, but holding those people together. It's a lot of work because you're having these uncertain conversations about the future premised on the idea that you're going to come back and you're going to pay the landlord and you're going to have the lease and you're going to pay your lender. But during this time, all those things like I can pay you 500, I can pay you 400, I can pay you 600, or I can pay you interest only or not interest only. And okay, you agree that I'll make no payment. And then if we're back, I'll make a double payment next month. But if we're not back, I'll call you next month and we'll figure it out again. And it's just, it's, it's boring. It, it's boring, constant, and it's, it's hard. And you, you're on the phone and you feel like you're asking for something. And that's, that's tough for folks to do. Yeah, it's tough for, especially a male ego. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard to say, I, I need your help. But I, I will tell you, I, we, at our firm, we went out to hundreds of landlords with, um, you know, rent requests, rent relief requests. And like, nobody was angry. Mm. Some of them said no. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of them were just relieved, like, oh, you're going to pay something? Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and all of them were like, oh, we've been waiting for you to call. <laughs> we figured you'd be contacting us, and we we're so relieved that you did. How's it going? People are curious. They're, every connection they have is a canary in the coal mine for them. How's it going over this business? How's it going with this business? They, then, you know, beyond it being their self-interest, they actually want to know, like, what's going on out there? Out there. Thank you. Okay, so I'm thinking we missed a question earlier in the earlier segment of the show. You know what I'm talking about, Ray? <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> Did we find out where Nate was and where the what the weather's like? Oh, you know, we did pillars of weather and we forgot about that. <laughs> so, Nate, where are you and what's the weather like? Uh, you know, I am in Seattle, Washington, and it is beautiful here today. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want, you know, I, I shouldn't even say this. I should tell you it's raining and that it's gray and it's horrible. But I mean, the sun is shining. Watching the sun is shining. It is about 57, 58 degrees, and oh, wow. it is a perfect spring day here. Okay, now I now I, I've had this. You feel you know, complete. Yeah, I've had this heavy weight on my chest, and and felt you know shortness of breath because I felt like we were missing something, and and. Yes, we were. Okay, so I feel much, 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 much. That one will lead into a commercial break. Um, want to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting us. Remind people that they can chat at Pillars of Franchising um, or watch live there. And I can see you folks hanging out on the Pillars of Franchising site. So if you got a question, go ahead and chat it. And now, word from a sponsor. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. Thanks, Nick. And for those of you who were listening on Nick's last appearance on the show, not only do you, if you fill out the form on the Pillars of Franchising site, you get the wonderful Franchise MBA, and you can tell mine's all kind of beaten up, and, and it's been a great read. Um, but besides the Franchise MBA, you'll also get free VR head, headgear or virtual reality gear. So the Franchise MBA and 
VR headgear just for filling out a form on the Pillars of Franchising. How can you beat that? I mean, really. So, Ray, you got another question there? I do. And I, I, I talked to my insurance agent the other day, and, and of course, he always tells the insurance with this particular uh, line item on there and saying, Ray, if this happens, you are covered. But then I called him the other day and I said, am I covered? And he says, forget it. Business interruption insurance. <laughs> and I was wondering if you can comment on, the, on that, Nate. You know, I've been writing leases for 20 years. And you think about, oh, what could happen? What could go wrong? And I'll admit that I missed this. It does seem that the only people who thought about a pandemic that closed the entire economy were the people that write business interruption insurance. Because I, I have not seen a policy that covers this yet. I've heard about them. Like, oh, yeah, I heard about some guy in Omaha. He's covered by, Omaha, by his business interruption insurance. Um, but um, the head chef, or the, the owner of the French Laundry, which is a famous restaurant in Napa, has famously sued, uh, I think, the Hartford. Uh, you know, one of, one, of the, one of the places that carries a lot of small business BI uh, lines, mm. saying that, you know, you should pay out on this. And their response has been, we do not have, the, the insurance world collectively does not have enough money to pay out on this. You, you will bankrupt us all if, if we pay out on this. And that is why this is an exception. I'm not excusing that. I'm just explaining it. Sure. And so the, um, the simple truth is your BI insurance probably doesn't help you. And that is frustrating. And I could sit here and say, oh, well, you know, the explanation for this is this, and, you know, this is the justification and here's the thinking. And I do understand the distinction legally that's being made. Well, this isn't a physical event. It wasn't a fire or an earthquake, you know, so your, your business itself wasn't actually harmed by the virus. Like if the virus attached to your building and gave it mold and you couldn't inhabit it, that would be, that would be BI insurance. This is not. And so what I'm telling folks is two things. Uh, one, uh, go ahead and make the claim anyway. And that has helped us in some respects where we've had landlords who just, you know, they, they haven't, I don't, I don't know, they don't have the internet and they don't know that the BI insurance isn't covered. And, you know, giving, them, giving your stakeholders the rejection is actually beneficial. Yes, I applied. I'm doing everything I can. I applied for my business interruption insurance, and here's the rejection. You can read it. I'll send it to you, email it to you. Second thing is, with the lawsuits that are coming, I talked to a guy who's in the insurance industry, and he said, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if the BI insurance people start paying out a little bit and asking for releases. And just trying to play whack-a-mole on avoiding being swept away by a huge class action where some, you know, I, I, I guarantee you there is an attorney firm somewhere where they are sitting in their virtual conference room planning the BI class action. Mm -hmm. Any, know of any in Seattle? I do not. <laughs> just thought I'd take it. I do not, but they, but they will find you, whoever they are. And, uh, Maybe you'll have them on a guest as a guest on here. You know what? If I find out someone's doing that, I will steer them your way and you can have them as a guest because that is, I'd want to watch that show. <laughs> but um, I'd want that, to do that show. <laughs> that's, that's, that's another reason to, um, to apply is that you then can be someone whose claim was rejected. If you didn't, if you didn't apply and you didn't reject it, you probably still have a claim, but it's just easier to say, yeah, yeah, I applied mm -hmm. and I was rejected. And this miscarriage of justice can only be rectified by the uh, law firm of Smith, Smith, Dewey, and Howe out of, you know, <laughs> Wilmington, Delaware. I was going to say, or, you know, wherever it is. By $100 million check to me, but never mind. <laughs> Carolyn, your turn. Take a shot. Yeah, so um, on your PowerPoint, you know, a lot of people don't like to think about if they have a personality of a not quit. But at what point for a business owner would they even consider looking at not moving forward with their business? What should they look at to help them make that determination? That is a fair question, and it is, um, I'll do my best to answer it, though it is a case-by-case -case, um, 
with case-by-case situation. Mm-hmm. So right now, I cannot speak across the board because you know, we just can't know, but using Seattle as an example, you cannot evict anybody right now in Seattle. And one of the reasons you might file a bankruptcy or give up is if you're being evicted out of your space. Well, you, since you cannot be evicted, why not just wait and see if more government help comes along or more laws get passed to keep you in place? Mm-hmm. Similarly, if someone sues you, in most places they can start a lawsuit but can't finish it. You can't get a judgment against somebody in the state of Washington right now. And if you do get a judgment or if you have a judgment, it is suspended. You cannot collect on someone. So the things that we have in place for creditors to push us into bankruptcy or push us out of business are for the most part not present right now. So to the extent that you're thinking, you know, I need supplies from the supply chain overseas. They're not going to come. I need my employees to come back. They're all scared. They can't. I need capital to start back up, and I don't have it. And so I might as well give up now. I would say it's not time to give up yet. Wait and see. And what you will find is as the economy begins to reopen, you will either be able to reopen yourself based on the circumstances then, or you will not. And what we say, uh, what I said in the PowerPoint you're looking at is, I believe that 99% of the obligations out there that have gone unpaid and unaddressed will simply be rectified on an out-of-court basis. Everybody's just going to settle up. There will be disproportionate timelines around the country, and there will be disproportionate attitudes about what that repayment looks like. Mm -hmm. And that's going to cause some people to go out of business. They won't be able to sync it up. They won't be able to to mind the details like we were talking about. It'll just, we'll, we'll run out to some point, and some business owner won't be able to sustain this. And, and so I guess, to, you know, to the extent that people are calling me up and saying, should I file bankruptcy right now? Even though, um, you know, when you, when you file, you know, file bankruptcies, you, you have a hammer and everything looks like a nail, like, yo, sure, file, 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 so you can make these. I, I'm actually telling them, look, call me back later. There's, there's nothing that's going to happen that's going to cause you to need to quit yet. Mm-hmm. There might be things that happen that enable you to continue. But, you know, we're also talking to folks where, you know, they've got 14 locations and two of them weren't good in the first place. So we're just going to strategically use this to close those two locations. And we're going to hope that because everybody's cash strapped, we can do a better job of settling out those debts and, and, you know, kind of working that out when we reopen. And that's a little mercenary, but, you know, that's the way people are looking at this. Thank you. Did I answer your question? Because it seemed like it, in the middle of it, it's kind of felt like a lot of attorney blah, blah, blah. No, it was. No, okay. great. That was great. a great question and a fantastic answer. Thank you. I like that attorney blah, blah, blah. I think that's a, <laughs> a concise. Yeah. I I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trademark that. Hang on. <laughs> it cuts through the pandemic fog. Yes. Yes. A lot, there's a lot of attorney blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, they get paid by the word is what I always thought Ray go ahead jump in there I will because uh, in the last few minutes do you know if there have been any changes in the EIDL and the PPP loans that uh, it seems like every few seconds there's a, a change going on and or maybe you can give us some advice about these two different loans that have been proposed so um it might not surprise you that I am on a, a lot of listservs that talk about this at great length mm-hmm. to the point where I can, it's, it's hard to keep up. Like it's hard to even sort it out. I think of all the stories I've heard, the one that I found to be the most helpful was a story about a webinar that took place this morning where some banker was talking about, you know, do this, do that with the SBA. And someone said, hey, the guy, um, they, they, they're out of money. They, they, they've run out the money of the SBA with the PPP. And the banker actually yawned. <laughs> and he said, hey, 
hey, same thing happened in 2009, yeah. and everybody got mad, and Congress argued, and there was a big there was a big dust up, and then they they funded more money. And I understand that Congress is dysfunctional. I understand everything's political and that they're arguing, but I I, I really don't doubt for a second that um, they're not going to uh, fund more into the PPP loan thing. I just I, I just what what is your representative going to do? Face people with the idea that they promised to make this loan available to all small businesses and then just gave up in the middle for no reason? It's not going to happen. So you know, bankers are yawning. That's the point about the about the, about the end of the as usual. <laughs> I say tar and feather, pitchforks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is the only time small banks have been heroes. Like that, that is another thing I see is that the small banks are actually fielding these, um, um, these SBA loans pretty well. Yeah, that's what I've heard as well. Carolyn, you got the last question before we go down the rabbit hole. Well, well, tell me, what do you do, Nate, to, for just relaxation? Oh, I homeschool my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, when uh, when we're not socially, physically distanced, I play hockey. Okay. All right. With that one, it's time to go down the rabbit hole. For those of you watching at home, you'll see the our nice little rabbit hole up there. And you also see the scroll that says, if you have your own rabbit hole question you'd like to submit the answer, go to the Pillars of Franchising website, fill out the form, and say rabbit hole question and we're back so nate you know four months ago i asked would ask about like pandemics leading to the zombie apocalypse and everybody thought i was crazy and then you know this all started happening and it was it came out of a, a chinese lab and they told me i was all a conspiracy theorist and, from what I saw today, I guess I wasn't. So it's getting harder and harder and harder to ask a down the rabbit hole question that we aren't living through. <laughs> so what I'll ask you is this. During the zombie apocalypse, how many of the zombies will be lawyers? Man, I hope a lot of them because then my odds are better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm either a thriving zombie or a thriving lawyer because I'm one of the few that's left, man. I can accept that answer. Now, Fred, may I co-opt your Q&A for just a moment and give you just a sampling of my favorite part of the game for franchising? Go for it. Thank you for indulging me. All right. I have in front of me, every time this comes up, I take this out and I, this is super nerdy, but people love this. All right, I've got the top 200 franchise chains by worldwide sales in front of me. Fred, whose sales are higher on a worldwide basis? Of who has the second highest worldwide sales after McDonald's? What franchise system? Is it A, Taco Bell, B, Subway, or C, 7-Eleven? My initial thought was it was Taco Bell, but part of me says it's actually 7-Eleven. Final answer? Final answer. 7-Eleven it is. Well done, sir. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Can I ask Carolyn a question? Go ahead. Yes. Carolyn, who has more units? Pizza Hut? Or Domino's? Wow, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm going to say Domino's. Final answer? Yeah, I'm going to stick to it. Pizza Hut has 7,456 and Domino's has 5,903. Oh. <laughs> Are Pizza Hut's all franchises? Because they used to have a whole lot of company stores. Man, are there any company stores anymore, Fred? I thought there were. I, I don't. I mean, ever, and it's just, it, it, you know, we're not talking franchise. We're talking units. All right, fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> pillars of franchising, not pillars of units. Go uh, ahead, ask Ray. I'll, I'll ask Ray a question, and then uh, we, can, we can go back on the rabbit hole if you want to do that. Uh, who 
Who has higher sales uh, rates? Taco Bell? You know what? No. Who, who has higher worldwide global sales? Ace Hardware or Burger King? Wow. I, I've seen a lot of Ace Hardware stores uh, close, so I, I, I'm going to have to come up with Burger King. Final answer? Burger King. Burger King it is, sir. Burger King does 21. So we're, we're a pretty knowledgeable group then. <laughs> you, guys, you guys crushed it. You guys crushed it. Thank you for, thank you for letting me do that. I, I swear oh, to God. Yeah. You, you, I pulled this thing out at, uh, at my house and people really get into it. They're like, well, which one is bigger, Remax or uh, Keller Williams? You know, and then, like, they actually think through it. They're like, well, I don't know. I see more of this. I see more of that. But, you know. They are pillars of franchising, so we know these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> right, so before we let Ray loose with the last question, Carolyn, you got your last question, and then we'll go with Ray's final question. Final, final question. Okay. Oh, I thought I asked my last question. Nope, you got one more, because we got one after the rabbit hole. All right, one after the rabbit hole. So um, you stated did you tell us why you chose franchising to, to as the place? I know you do some consulting work, but what was it about franchising that made you want to help franchisees? You know, I suppose like a lot of things in life, uh, what it started as was um, it just was a job I took and I didn't know much about it. Mm -hmm. What I found as I did it was that I really enjoy representing the people that own, the entrepreneurs who own businesses. And franchising is a great way to get into business for yourself. It's a great way to build wealth. And once you build wealth, you can, you can take that wealth and do things with it in your community. And I, I love working with those people. It's, it's really fun. You know, and I think one of my clients put it best I asked him, you know, he'd been an investment banker and then he worked for his dad doing a Yum Brands um, uh, franchise. And they had gotten more and more, you know, units over the years in the second generation. I said, hey, how come you did this? You know, he goes, well, you think Wells Fargo would lend me $100 million if this was Joe's Tacos? <laughs> I mean, it really makes the point. Franchising really does leverage the best of entrepreneurship. It does. You know, and he, that, that guy has made little tweaks in that system to make his stores some of the most profitable in the system. And his access to capital and the encouragement that landlords have, yes, we want that brand on our site. It helps people succeed. It lifts them up. And I, and I, and I dig that. So that's, that's why I've, that isn't why I came to it, but that's why I've stuck with it. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Ray, take us home. I, I have to admit, franchise owners are a great bunch of people. You gotta, they've invested probably more of their own uh, life savings than they would if they uh, investing in a house. So they have a lot on stake. But the question to you, Nate, is someone is having some problems. How do they get a hold of you if they want to talk to you about their problems? You know, if you just go to westcoastfranchiselaw.com and get on my website, it will be just like falling off a log to get a hold of me. And Ray, thank you for asking, because if you do have problems, you know, if you see opportunities and it's something you want to act on, or if you have a problem and you want to um, talk it through, maybe you need us to help you, maybe we just coach you through it, contact us through that website, and we are happy to uh, have that conversation with you. And I, um, we're also we're doing another webinar on specifically just how to talk to landlords and how to fill out the documentation. And we're going to do that, uh, do that next Wednesday. Excellent. That's, that's a good one. Find out about it on westcoastfranchiselaw.com, correct? Thank you so much, Fred. Yes, that is where to find out about it. Very now, helpful, Nate. Thank you very much. Before we say goodbye, Carolyn needs to do a shout out to two people. Yeah, we are excited that right before this um, COVID-19, um, Wisdom actually um, had two new business owners join on with us, and they opened up a franchise in February, um, Patricia Miller 
and Pittsburgh, North Carolina, and also Crystal Vincent and Mel um, Westmoreland out of Greensboro and Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So we're excited to have them join the Wisdom brand. Awesome. And that uh, that brings to an end another episode of Pillars of Franchising. I'm Fred McMurray with my co-host Ray Pillar and Carolyn Thurston. Thank you, Nate Rodin. Rearing? Rodin? Rodin? Yeah. Close enough, okay. And <laughs> uh, we all want to wish you to our listeners, stay safe, be profitable, and enjoy life because if you don't enjoy your life, no one else is going to. And this has been Pillars Pillars Billers, 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 Billers,